Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Drafts 412's podcast. My name is Joe 412. I'm sure you're familiar with that by now. And I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. But before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts, all for free, all of the time. Uh, and for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, we are a nation of draft nicks. Uh, we have an e-magazine that hyper-focuses on the major sports here in Pittsburgh. So if you're a fan of the Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins, and or Pitt, Penn State, and West Virginia, you get to check out all of their draft prospects, learn about their trade possibilities, talk about their salary cap provisions, all that kind of fun stuff. And tonight, we're talking about the college end of that. So we're going to talk about mostly Pitt and Penn State as we, we're about almost to the halfway point in the college season. And with me tonight, I've got three of the four horsemen of the draft apocalypse. We've got Emmett Mann and our editor here, JT John Toth. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, and are you ready to talk uh, a little bit of NCAA football and, and prospects as we go on the clock for Pitt and Penn State? Ready to go. Great, great. So Alrighty. let me start with you, Emmett. Yeah, this is a tale of two cities, right? You got the Penn State you know, fans that are got to be on cloud nine. Everything's just going so extraordinarily well. And then I'm going to fall back and let JT talk about the one and four Pitt Panthers here in a second. Uh, but for now, let's let's talk about some, not just what Penn State's been able to accomplish, but also um, this draft class. You know, they've got a really interesting slate of guys starting at the top with Olu Fashanu. Uh, and I'm sure there's a few more that you want to have, you know, spend a little bit of time talking about. But in particular, I think the guys that might be first round guys, like Fashanu King and and Chop Robinson, and maybe maybe more. But I think those are the three. But why don't we start out with them? Give me a sense of how they've been playing, and you know, are these still first round guys, or have they slipped at all? I just think with the the way that the Nittany Lions are playing, it's hard to to argue that these guys aren't making that kind of a difference. They're all still there, and. Uh... It's kind of interesting because of the way the schedule has, has started off. Uh, the defensive guys, it's been tough for them to really kind of put up eye-popping numbers. So you, you just have to kind of to watch to see what's going on. I mean, they have, they, they've played three run-heavy teams in West Virginia, Iowa, and Illinois. And they've played two terrible teams uh, or, or teams over the head in Delaware and Northwestern. So... Uh, they're not getting the opportunities to uh, to, to, to really – one, they're not staying in the game that much. Uh, the defense is very deep, so they're rotating. Uh, I mean, they got five guys that can play defensive end, but Prishano has been as advertised. Uh, I think he had his first penalty in, like, forever this year, um, and that might have been a false start. Uh, he still hasn't allowed a sack. I think he may have allowed one hurry. Uh, but he's just absolutely, he's the anchor. Nobody gets by him. He opens up big holes for the running game. Uh, he definitely is uh, going to be, uh, if not the first tackle, one of the first tackles off the board. Chop Robinson, as I stated, they they float guys in and out. Uh, and again, his specialty is getting to the passer. Uh, and they've been play, playing run-heavy teams. So now when they played Northwestern and uh, they got so far behind in the second half that they had a run, he's finally he, he's racked up uh, uh, some sacks, some tackles for losses, forced fumbles. He's even broken up a pass. Uh, so he has definitely reestablished himself as a top-of-the-first-round type of guy. 
And the other one, Kalen King. And Kalen King is a victim of his own success. Teams just don't throw at him. He has uh, one pass breakup. Uh, he has, you know, that one pass defense, but they just they don't throw at him. Uh, and to his credit, he hasn't let he hasn't sulked or, you know, been uh, to his you know he hasn't let it go to his detriment. He's helped in the uh, the run game with uh, five tackles, individual and six assisted, eleven total tackles. So. Uh, fact that they're not throwing at him reinforces his first round status. Yeah, you know, that Fashanu thing, you, you stole a little bit of my thunder. I was thinking, you know, Joe Alt from Notre Dame is having a heck of a year, but I mean, is Fashanu the first off the board? In my opinion, he would be. I mean, not just because of his physical game, but his mental game. This is a guy that's, you know, I think, you know, when he hits the draft, it's hard to not rank him number one right now, the way he's been playing, not just this year, but last year. But let me pivot a little bit to Pitt. You know, I said before, a little bit of a tale of two cities here. And, you know, let's start on that offensive line, JT. I mean, uh, I think there were high hopes for for a certain left tackle, um, you know, to kind of emerge as a middle-round guy this year. But Pitts lost three offensive linemen for the year already. I know that's affected the way they're playing, both their passing and, and running games. Uh, but let's, let's talk about their offensive line. And I'm going to throw – uh, Gavin Bartholomew in there too, because even though he, you know, this guy lines up everywhere, H-back, out wide, inline, tight end, wherever. Let's talk about those guys and give me a sense of, you know, is this a situation where, you know, you you, you see uh, one going and one staying? Or do you think that, uh, that uh, you know, both these guys stick around for an additional year or, or just because of the way the team's playing? Or where's your head with that? Let's, let's talk about those guys for a second. Uh, the offensive line, the, the, the pro prospect was Matt Gonscalves, and uh, he uh, we had him ranked as about a fourth or fifth round pick going into the season with a chance to maybe move up the draft boards. He, he's out the year, uh, leg injury. Uh, one of three guys on that line that are out. Pitt's offensive line is decimated. Uh, Gonscalves was the the pro the pro prospect on there. If I'm if I'm Gonscalves, I come back for another year. Um, he, he's big enough. He's got the body, the size. Uh, he comes back and plays another good season. That Pitt could probably possibly help his draft stock. I think now he may fall Agreed. into that five, six, seven range. Um, so if I'm him, I I look at one more year coming back. He was a captain this year. Come back, be a captain. Uh, do your try your best. I mean, this team's so this team's so discombobulated right now. And I, the one guy that's showing the most emotion, like he's. He's fed up is Gavin Bartholomew. I mean, you see him on the sideline slamming his helmet. Um, he's had a hell of a season for what he's done is at Pitt. He's, he's, he's every ball thrown him, he's caught. Um, we witnessed the he should have had a touchdown um against North Carolina, but uh Jerkovic threw it behind him, but he still contorted himself, made a great catch. He's had a couple catches down the seams this year. He's great hands. Blocking ain't quite there yet. Um to be like an NFL type number one tight end that's blocking for a running back. But I see him creeping up boards. I mean, the tight ends are – they're good in this draft, but they're top-heavy. You got, like, Brock Bowers, uh, you know, Jatavian Sanders, even, like, Theo Johnson from Pennsylvania. You got guys at the top that are that are way better than that middle group of guys. So I think he could be in that middle group of uh, tight ends, the way they take tight ends. And I think it was 20, 21 taken last year or something like that. So there's a lot of tight ends that get picked. Um, but on you know, offense, I, that's the only guys that Bartholomew's my offensive MVP right now when it comes to 
like pro prospects. He's by far putting out the best uh, performance. He may have, and I know you, you touched on this, he may have the best hands of any tight end in this draft. And I will wager if he does come out and he ends up at the combine, his draft stock will go up because they'll see him, you know, and, and they'll use him and they'll, they'll make, they'll try him out doing things that we haven't seen at Pitt. I mean, I think they have a very limited offense under Signetti. I'm not a Signetti fan. Um, I, I, look, I love his, his pedigree. I love the, the fact that the guy's a Pitt guy, but ultimately his, his system's outdated and he last year he barely used Bart this year it's been better, but the quarterback situation has been really prohibitive there. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, it might be in his best interest to, to come out into the, I mean, I don't know if they're going to get better uh, after the, the, the break here, when they come out of the bye week we'll see what Christian Veyer does. That guy has a cannon of an arm, but I don't know if it's going to improve any because of the line in front of him. But I think that you're right. I think that, you know, if, if Gavin leaves and Matt stays, it's probably best for both those guys. But Emmett, let's talk about the next rung of Penn state guys that, you know, uh, may come out this year. You've got Adisa Isaac, you've got Curtis Jacobs, you've got Theo Johnson. I know that uh, JT just mentioned Johnson by name at the tight end position. You know, are, are these guys that would benefit from, uh, you know, the play that they've, they've been having, do you see any of them jumping up from where they might, they may be? Do any of these guys stay? Uh, you know, uh, what kind of seasons are they having? What have you seen from them? And if they do come out, uh, where do you see them going in the draft? Uh, well, before I address that, I, I'm just wondering regards Gavin Bartholomew, uh, am I the only one that thinks that he might improve his draft stock if he was playing for the other team in Oakland, the central Catholic Vikings, uh, you know, just, just a thought. Um, but, uh, if he might get paid more. (laughs) If, if there's, if there's, uh, if there's any one guy uh, in Penn state that we're discussing tonight that actually may have regressed a little bit, it is Theo Johnson. Uh, He's just finally, uh, getting over 100 yards uh, receiving for the year. Uh, he's been somewhat invisible, and a few times he's had the opportunity. He's had a little bit of the dropsies. He doesn't have a t- touchdown yet. That distinction belongs to Mr. Whiteout, uh, Tyler Warren, who has four on the season. So uh, uh, if the draft were held today, Warren might go uh, if he opted to come out. So um, I think as they get into games that are a little more challenging, uh, that they're going to have to uh, rely on Johnson and his special skill set, and you'll see him recover his his uh, status. Adisa Isaac playing very well. Uh, it's like four quarterback hurries and a sack. Uh, he is absolutely popping on the tape uh, when a lot of the defenders aren't, mostly because they're giving so much attention to the guys in the middle, uh, like Donnie Dennis Sutton, and, uh, and of course, Chop Robinson. The one guy who I think has really helped himself early on is Curtis Jacobs, playing very solidly uh, at, at linebacker, coverage, rushing the passer, and has displayed a, a, a very uncanny knack for special teams. He's, he's playing very well on special teams, which will certainly catch the eye of a lot of scouts. He had two fumble recoveries against Iowa uh, that were critical. Uh, so... Uh, he, he's, he's the one who's probably increased his stock the most of the second tier guys. And Johnson's probably the one that's had his stock suffered. Uh, the neat thing about this draft class is last year's was, was okay. 
you had a couple second uh, day two picks and a handful of day three guys that weren't expected to get. You're going to see somewhat similar this year. You'll you'll see three guys in the first round. You'll see a couple of guys getting uh, day two and several guys uh, day three. The real fun class is going to be next year. Next year, you might have five first rounders. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Jacobs. You, you know, let's face it, it's, it's linebacker you, right? I mean, is there any, could you expect anything less? You know, historically, they've always put good backers in the league. Uh, I think he's somebody that, because of the team he's playing on, too, might, you know, he, he may not get some of the, he might, I don't want to say short trip, but he might not get some of the spotlight that he would uh, somewhere else. And, you know, I, 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 you know, he's not Micah Parsons either, right? So we, 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 we know what we're, what we're dealing with uh, with him, but I think you're right. I mean, he, he's a guy that could show uh, on special teams, could latch onto a team a day two, day three, more than likely a day three guy, um, you know, but I, I do agree with you. I think that the talent they've gotten in the 2025 class is going to be ridiculous. Uh, that might be the year, you know, if you're a Penn State fan that you've been waiting for for a long time, that might be the year that uh, the Big Ten is is theirs to lose. JT, let's talk about Pitt's defensive backfield. There's a lot of talent there. I mean, I know that's Narduzzi's specialty. That's kind of like his thing. There's a couple of guys in particular that I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on. Obviously, of that core, you know, Marques Williams and um, MJ Devonshire, uh, both Williams has to come out. Devonshire could come out. He can also return. Uh, but with Devonshire's speed, his special teams capability, and what he's shown in the last year and a half of being, you know, with the Panthers, I think it's something special. He's somebody that can really make a name for himself in the league. And Marques Williams, to me, Reminds me a lot of Avante Maddox, the now Philadelphia Eagle. But there's one name that I think has shocked everybody, uh, and that's Donovan McMillan. Uh, McMillan came as a transfer, originally from Pittsburgh, you know, transferred in last year from uh, the University of Florida, was a Gator, uh, and was not a starter, not named starter at the beginning part of the year, and has just become a tackling machine. Uh, and if it were not for one boneheaded play in that UNC game, uh, you know, he might have a, a, you know, a really a pretty clean resume. I mean, what are your thoughts on those three guys uh, in particular? And, and where do you think uh, they go and do, you know, McMillan and or Devonshire stay? First off, uh, McMillan is, is the best the best defensive back right now. He's playing the most consistent football. He has 44 tackles, which leads the team. In fact, that's not even playing. Um, he, he got very little time in the first game and then started playing a little bit in the second half of the second game and then became a starter. So he probably have over 50 tackles if um, they, they played him from the beginning. But um, the guy I'm disappointed in, he's going to be the highest pitch draft pick. It's going to be going to be the guy to go in the fourth, maybe third, fourth, fifth round range, you know, depending on how he does at the combine. Um, he's gotten beat a couple of times long. Um, I don't know if it's a – it's his fault or if it was a safety, but all I know is watching the games live, I'm watching Devonshire's guy chasing the guy from behind. Um, he hasn't had no big plays yet this year. Um, he's usually good for an interception or two. The, the secondary has been a letdown for the talent that they got. I love Quez. Like you said, he's, he's a small guy, but he's tough. He's He'll come up and uh, lay a hit on somebody. Um, he, he's probably a sixth or seventh round pick because of his size. Um, or even an uh, un uh, unrestricted free agent. But I think he'll get drafted. Um, I think McMillan may stay. I, I think you have a better chance of a defensive back staying right now than anything on the offense right now. I, I don't – like getting back to even Bartholomew, I don't 
I think Bartholomew goes to the draft no matter what they tell him. I think he's, you know, he's a guy that's, I think he's done with this, with what's going on here in Pittsburgh. I mean, we've asked him questions from the very beginning. Like, do you want the ball more? And he says, of course I do. And you can just tell he's frustrated. But the other guy on defense that I didn't list in our, our thing tonight that I still think has potential, uh, I think he'll come back in another year, is DeAndre Jules, the big uh, defensive lineman. He's he's had games where he's been unstoppable, then he's had games that we've seen him not even start and not do much. But I think he's got potential as that defensive lineman from Pitt. And then Shane Simon, maybe the other Pitt defensive player that, you know, he's a transfer from Notre Dame. He may he may be able to get on somebody's uh, radar later in the draft, but Pitt ain't going to have what, what Emmett has in Penn State. We ain't gonna, we're not going to sniff the first three rounds uh, unless Devonshire pops up in the third round somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that you know Pitt's lost a lot of talent to the draft over the last couple of years, um, and this may be that year where it's a bit of a rebuild. They're not in reload. It's not the kind of program they have just yet, uh, and I think that uh, – you know, there might be opportunities for them to seek plugging some of those holes with NIL and or transfer portal uh, stuff. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, Emmett, I'm going to ask you this, because I, is there a name that we haven't mentioned tonight? Um, somebody that surprised you or somebody that, you know, you want to give attention to be, before we close out on the Penn State talk this evening is, is there another name on on the list that you're just saying, well, you know what, this guy might sneak in. Uh, he may do well. Depends on how the rest of the season goes. Is there a sleeper in 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 your Penn State list somewhere? Well, I'll start off with one that I don't particularly agree with. But if you're one of those people that believe in uh, pro football focus, their their college thing, the great number zero Dominic DeLuca is rating out at a ninety point four score through five games. Uh, he's a heart and soul kind of guy, a hustle guy. Uh, yeah, he, he, he's the kind of guy that comes off the bench in a basketball game with two minutes left and the entire arena goes crazy. Uh, he, he has that kind of impact. I mean, he has made, he's, he's, he has a pick six, uh, and he has made some impact plays, but, uh, the 90.4, I might put that in my, uh, uh, my list of, uh, another PFF, maybe a little overscoring. So you're ex expecting Once, a regression to the mean? Is that what you're saying? I would say that uh, when he steps on the field in Columbus, I'm not expecting a 90.4. Uh, but uh, one I think to keep an eye on with, with, with over the last couple of years is not only uh, Penn State been LBU, they've also been DBU. No LSU fans. I don't mean that in complete sincerity. Uh, but they have put some some nice defensive backs in, into the league. Uh, Johnny Dixon, just keep an eye on him. Everyone uh, pays attention to some of the other guys in the defensive back. But uh, Johnny Dixon always finds a way uh, when they run replays after play. It's, oh, there he is again. Uh, so Johnny, there he is again, again, Dixon. You know, it's funny because you mentioned him. We did a profile on him a few weeks back, uh, maybe a few months back now. Uh, and, uh, I, when you're, when you're doing it, you're, and you're watching the film, you're like, yeah, you know, and I agree with you. It's like, he shows up everywhere, but he doesn't get the talk that everybody else, I think Keandre Lambert Smith too, might also be someone that, that, uh, surprises JT before we wrap up and we only have a few more minutes left here before we do, uh, I want to talk to you specifically about somebody. Cause I think there's a guy here that, um, pit fans have been wanting to get the ball more and just hasn't in a running back committee rotation that 
makes no sense to me. He's clearly the best of the three. And that's Rodney Hammond. And Hammond could be eligible for the draft if he were to choose to come out. And we all know in this age of running backs, you might want to save that tread for the NFL where you can make your money. Is this a year where, you know, Hammond decides, you know what, I, I didn't, I, I'm not going to have the season I expected, but I'll, let me put me at the combine, put me in my pro day. I'll show up uh, and I've got talent or does he have to come back uh, or does he transfer me? Where, where's your head? Cause a guy like Rodney Hammond clearly has the talent, even with a band of candle last year, he showed it, you know, save for a little spate of injuries. I mean, the guy clearly is a kind of maybe a poor man's, you know, Maurice Jones drew the way he runs. I love I love Rodney Hammond from the day he came in as a freshman and was uh, scoring touchdowns. But he had 196 yards on 46 attempts this year, which is insane in five games to have a a guy like him only have 46 carries, 196 yards. He's averaging 4.5 yards a carry. Um, I think coming back to Pitt is the last of the three that you mentioned. I could see him transferring, but I can also see him. He's always got a chip on his shoulder. I could see him going to the combine and and performing well at the combine. He doesn't have great speed, but he has a knack of just getting what he needs to get done on the field. Um, his pass catching is not the greatest either. I think if he does come out right now, you're looking at a late draft pick. Um, like I said, I don't think he'll turn heads at the combine with speed. He he might turn heads with his um, interview kind of thing because. Um, just talking to him a couple times this year, he's very he, – he makes you believe in him. He's a small guy that believes in himself, and he, he he wants to get things done. But I could see him transferring. I mean, would I blame him? No. I mean, if he goes to a school that's going to – hey, we're gonna, you're the number one running back. We're going to give you 15, 16, 17 carries a game. I think he'd be – he'd be nuts not to see what he could do in a full season like X. I don't think um, under Signetti, he's not going to get um, – He's not going to get uh, the carries that he needs to show what he can really do. And the last thing I'm going to say about Pitt is the best player on Pitt's team that will be the highest draft pick one day is as the freshman Kenny Johnson. Told you that from the camp. He returned to kickoff this year already for a touchdown. They're starting to use him a little bit more, but they were using him with uh, Jerkovic as the quarterback, which you couldn't see much. So look for him to start putting up some numbers, and that's that's the best prospect on the team. Well, look, gents, thank you very much for doing this. I think this gives both Pitt and Penn State followers of Draft 412 an insight of where their guys are halfway through. We, maybe we'll do another one of these at the completion of the season. And again, thanks to our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. And remember, while Draft 412 may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Thanks, gents. Thank you, guys.